Hello, my name is Luke. I'm the youth pastor here at Crossroads, if you haven't seen me before. I'm usually the guy in the goofy videos making a fool of myself. You're welcome. Um, now, I want you guys to all take a minute, if not now, maybe a little bit later, to look under your seats and see if you find one of these, because we found various versions of them, because on Friday night to Saturday, we had a guys overnighter, so if I say something weird, it's because my brain isn't all back yet, so don't judge me. Don't judge me. Um, anyway, so if you find a dart, are you serious? <laughs> I was kind of joking, but all right. Zachary was there. He probably hit it. You hit it there, huh? That was your extra ammo. <laughs> so if you see any uh, young men, students walking around like zombies, that's why. Again, you're welcome. So with that, we're going to be talking about the next elephant in the room today. But before we do, let's go ahead and pray and give this time to the Lord. So Jesus, we thank you again for the opportunity to meet together as a family, especially around Thanksgiving time. We know that it can be especially difficult, maybe not having family nearby or just not having family on this earth any longer. But Lord, we know that your church is real family. That's true family, God, that your blood runs deeper than any blood relationship, any family that we have on this earth, God, but you are our true family. So Lord, I thank you for the time that we get to meet together as your family. Speak to our hearts this morning. Speak through me, God, that it be your words and not mine. In your name we pray. Amen. So today, we're going to be talking about a sin that is, and yeah, I said it, a sin. Now this whole elephant in the room thing that we've been doing is referring to sins that are incredibly obvious that are right in front of our faces, that in most cases are so ugly and just there that we look at them and we're like, oh, awkward. I don't want to talk about it. Right? Anybody ever felt that way? Especially in family situations? Like, come on, Thanksgiving. I don't want to talk about it. Happens all the time. That's what these sins, these elephants in the room that we're referring to are. It's those big ugly, smelly, nasty things taking up so much space that we just don't want to address because if we do, then that means they're real. If we talk about them, that means it's truthfully a thing. And if it's really a thing, that means we have to do something to change it. And nobody wants to change it, right? Shoot, that's too much work. So this morning, we're talking about a sin that ails every single one of us in this room. It's not something that only ails students, and that's why Pastor Darren asked me to come up here and speak. That's not the case. So all you older folks, don't be like, oh, it's a youth pastor. Check out. Not, not one of those times. <laughs> this is 5 to 95, and if you're over 95, that's still you. I just didn't want to say it. So <laughs> I wouldn't plan on saying it. It just came out. Anyway, <laughs> there's probably going to be a lot of that this morning. Um, so the reason I, I was wanting to talk about this is because it is incredibly uncomfortable. And I want to ask something from everybody in this room. So I need all eyes up here for just a second. God bless you. Um, I need you to promise me something, okay? Just asking a lot. I need you, as you sit here and you take in, to be willing to not think of the person that should be hearing this, Okay? Not be thinking, on Monday, I'm still going to send this to them. Not that. I mean, God willing, they probably, whatever. 
for right now, let's focus on us. Because the truth of the matter is that the sin that ails every single one of us needs to be addressed in every single one of us. And the only person that can make a change in your life is you. And as I was writing this, every time I I would strike a key, I'd be like, because it's just uncomfortable. Because it ails me too. It's part of who I am. The sin that we're talking today is about lying. Everybody's like, oh, Pastor Luke's a liar. I see how it is. (laughs) Well then, we're all liars. Again, you're welcome. The reason I say that is because the lies that we're talking about aren't like the, you know, the typical things that ends your life and all those things like crazy big, oh my gosh. Elephants in the rooms in the room are the like the stuff that goes on and can be unnoticed. It can go without us addressing it because it's acceptable. It's the permissible sin. The sin that we're like, ah, it's no big deal. Everybody does it. Right? So today, as I'm talking, I want to reflect on the implications that these truths have on each of us. Now, let me ask you guys this question. Has, how many of you are on social media of any kind? That includes Musical.ly, and that also includes, what was the new one? That's not that new. TikTok. Yeah, that's right. I know these things. What's up? Okay, that's pretty much everybody in the room. And for those of you husbands that are like, my wife's on it, but I don't touch it. Okay, you're still on it because your family is, so yeah. Anyway, sorry, I have to differentiate these things. Um, Have you ever posted, or your wife or husband ever posted, something that was a little bit stretching the truth? Just a little off. Not quite the truth, but mostly like 60-40, right? Hashtag goals. If y'all don't know what that means, for the, the folks that are baby boomer, baby boomer generation and beyond, that is the number, uh, number symbol, also known as a hashtag. So I'm going to show you a video. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I'm going to show you a video real quick that kind of puts a little bit of this into perspective. And I, do your best to pay attention to the small writing. It I'll, I'll explain a little bit afterward about what that is, but they're hashtags, and they're really important to look at. So direct your attention to the screens. There's music, just wait. Well, even without music, you understand what's going on. Hold on one second. Technical difficulties. All right, that's okay. I'll, I'll just do 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 You're welcome. Hashtag I woke up like this in case you didn't see that. Yeah. Now there we go. I guess I could have just been like This is me right here. 
Just wait for it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Clean desk, clear mind. He said, nah, fam. Students in the room need to pay attention to this one. Quality time. Husbands in the room, I know you. Hashtag like driven life. Like, could you dri come on. Really? That was a good... <laughs> Whatever. As an example, if you guys didn't get to see some of those hashtags, they're basically saying the opposite of what's really happening. I remember when I was at Harvest, I made a little kind of a goof video. How many of y'all have ever seen the, um, the basic posts of, you know, the... I gotta be careful how I say this, because this is probably gonna hit a lot of you in the room. <laughs> Where you got that, that Bible picture next to your cup of coffee... And there's a sun in the background. It's, of course, it's rising, because if it's not rising, you didn't get up early. Or, like, there's that cute plant right there with the, that nice little glimmer, because you put the right filter on. It's like, I love Jesus. Hashtag devotion life. Right? So I made a video about that when I was at Harvest. And so I took one of those pictures, and I posted that first. And I was like, yeah, the real, the real deal, Jesus time. And then uh, I showed shortly after the video of me making that scene. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work to make that perfect devotional picture. Come on now. And you got to make sure your highlights look old. Because otherwise, it's like you just highlighted everything in your Bible to make you look like you know what you're doing. <clears throat> or God forbid you don't have a hard copy Bible and you're just like iPadding it up. That's definitely not scriptural, right? Anyway, that was a joke. Come on, everybody. It's okay. We're at church. Let's be real. <clears throat> so this isn't the only part of the elephant that we're talking about. Social media isn't all-encompassing. Right. But we are going to talk about some different aspects of what this type of lifestyle looks like. In our culture, nobody likes a liar. Liars make everybody uncomfortable. You don't want to be around that person. You meet a, like somebody that's dubbed a liar, and you're like, mm-mm, not talking to you, because you're a liar. Guess what? We all are. We are all liars in our own ways, which is what I'm going to try to prove to you this morning. 
Um, but before we move on with that, let's first look at our text for today. I, I encourage you to turn your Bibles to Acts. We're going to look at chapter 4 and chapter 5. But we're going to start in chapter 4 at verses 32 through 37. It's going to be on the screen as well. And I'm reading out of the NLT version. So this is what it says. All the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt that what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them all. There were no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. Verse 36, for instance, there was Joseph, the one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi and came from the island of Cyprus. He sold a field that he owned and brought the money to the apostles. Now, that's a little bit of context for the next portion, which is the main section of our text. We're going to be looking at Acts 5, 1 through 11. So just basically turn the page or just go, and that's where we're going to be at. It says, but there was a certain man named Ananias, or Ananias, or however you want to say his name, with his wife Sapphira, sold some property. He brought part of the money to the apostles, claiming it was the full amount. With his wife's consent, he kept the rest. Then Peter said, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit, and you kept some of the money for yourself. The property was yours to sell or not sell as you wished. And after selling it, the money was also yours to give away. How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but to God. As soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor and died. Everyone who heard about it was terrified. Verse 6. Then some young men got up, wrapped him in a sheet, and took him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, was this the price that your husband received for your land? Yes, she replied. That was the price. And Peter said, how could the two of you even think of conspiring to test the spirit of the Lord like this? The young men who buried your husband are just outside the door, and they will come to bury you too. Instantly, she fell to the floor and died. When the young men came in and saw that she was dead, they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear gripped the entire church and everyone else who heard what happened. Now, I can imagine, if you heard about that happening here at Crossroads, great fear would grip the church. Great fear grips my heart just thinking about it. So we know from the first section that there were some people in the church that were more well-off than others. They had land and property, which wasn't a common thing back then. So if you did have that type of land and sold it, that's a pretty big deal. So imagine that's going on in the church, and then you got Ananias and Sapphira who are watching all of this take place. And they're in that position where they have land, they have property, so they feel like to be a part of this church adequately, they have to do what everyone else is. They have to live up. Essentially, they were spiritually trying to keep up with the Joneses, selling off their stuff and giving it away, but at the same time thinking, well... We'll just keep a little bit. It's no big deal. Now, I want to ask you guys to put yourself in their shoes. 
Imagine you have some property, and I'm just going to use round numbers because it's easier to do math because I'm not that good at math. If you sell a piece of property and you get $100,000 and you give 10% of it to the church, that's a lot of money. That's 10 grand. That's huge. You give 10 grand to the church, I promise you, all of us here are going to be like, yes, that 80s jump stop motion. Ah. But they were in control of how much they gave. Even a small amount of that money is huge. So we know that what they were attempting to do was a good thing, right? And you know inside their hearts, they wouldn't do it for no reason. I'm sure somewhere in there, Ananias and Sapphira were hoping to help somebody. Like, we demonize their efforts nowadays. We hear the names Ananias and Sapphira, like, oh, them are the people that died because they lied. But in all actuality, they were probably trying to just do something good with a crooked heart. I'm going to explain a little bit more about that as we go. So, sorry, I lost my place. Transparency. Now, I can't speak to exactly where their hearts were. It wasn't there, and I'm going to speculate a little bit. But you don't sell a property to give it to somebody without at least a little bit of desire to do some good. Right? It's kind of pointless. So why did they feel the need to lie about it? They were in control. It was their stuff. It didn't matter. But they felt the need to portray themselves as something else, something that they thought they needed to be. Now, it says in verse 2 that Ananias, or that uh, it was both Ananias and his wife Sapphira that they made this decision together. He had consent from his wife to do this. So it wasn't just like Ananias was goofing around and she was like, whatever. No, they planned this together. And then she showed back up after Ananias already died, and Peter even gave her a second chance, much like the Spirit gives us a second chance all the time. How many times do we say a lie, yet there's another opportunity to maybe get out of it and back up and be like, okay, that wasn't too bright. Let's let's reevaluate this. And we're like, nah, we'll just keep going. That's exactly what happened here. Sapphira had to pay with her life at this point, which is a shame. So they worked together. And the thing I'd like to point out is that there was no assumption made. Peter didn't assume anything. He tried to give the benefit of the doubt. That's something we as a church should also do, regardless if somebody's a liar or not. That was a little side note. Moving on. So it wasn't necessarily about the money, though. It wasn't about the lie itself. What Peter noticed is something far more important. In verse 3, he says, Why have you let Satan fill your heart? He didn't say, Why have you let Satan make you greedy? He didn't say any other version of sin that it could be, but rather it became a heart issue. As I mentioned before, a crooked heart. Ananias and Sapphira had truly one main problem is where it all came from. The lies were simply a symptom of a deeper issue, a deeper-rooted problem. So even if they were trying to do something good, 
if it's coming from that perspective of what could I gain from this, it makes the rest of it useless. It makes it null and void. The entire purpose of what they were trying to accomplish was essentially burned. Now, it makes me wonder about when we do things for the church or when we volunteer our time, we volunteer our money, whatever the case may be, if we think about what's the real heart motivation behind it, how many of us can say that everything we do is strictly for God's glory? This is my job. I'm a pastor. That's my job. And I can tell you, it's not 100% of what I do is dedicated for the purpose of the kingdom. I can tell you that honestly because I am not perfect. I wish I could be. <laughs> I wish I could be. Our youth group would be so much better if I was perfect. Well, maybe it'd be worse. I don't know. <laughs> but the point is that in my heart, I know I'm broken. In my heart, I know I want to look good. I want people to think I'm doing a good job. I want people to think I am this, I am that, whatever the case may be. It's not all for God. So it's a heart issue, which is why I say that we are all liars in one way, shape, or form. In some way, deep down within each of us, there is a motivation that drives us that isn't godly. And we can lie to ourselves as much as we want to to say that there's not, but we all know there's something deep down within us that's broken. Peter finds the same heart issue in both of them. 100% of that couple was crooked, messed up, just like here. We are all crooked and messed up, and we've only made it as far as we have because of the grace of God. I'm going to expound on that in a little bit, but um, just some practical ways to look at our lives. So if that's the truth, if there's something deep down within us, that means that we're all at least a little bit liars, kind of like when we want to create a persona of ourselves on social media that isn't necessarily us, kind of like we saw in that video, right? Or embellishing on a story that we think is kind of boring, so we kind of make it a little better. Just build it up a little. I've walked on the moon. Y'all, some of you get that. Never mind. <clears throat> or maybe some of us don't agree with the government taking as much taxes as they do, so we might embellish a little bit on how much we gave. Or maybe adding that extra 15 minutes to your time clock because you didn't take a break today. Sometimes as simple as calling off work because you don't want to work, but saying that you're sick. I mean, truthfully, this is stuff we've all done. Again, like I said, in some way, shape, or form, we have all given in to these little ticky-tack nonsense lies that are, in fact, still a lie. And in fact, what put Christ on the cross? Did you all know that one sin makes you guilty enough for hell? One single solitary sin separates us from God. And it's only by God's grace that we're viewed as perfect now. 
because of him and him alone. Because these little things happen all the time. So I remember when I was younger, <laughs> this is a, a little telling for me, just again, transparency. What's up? Maybe I didn't get enough sleep this weekend. My parents, so I'm a diabetic, I'm a type 1 diabetic, so I have to test my blood sugar all the time and all that kind of stuff, and my uh, parents used to ask, what's your blood? I'd be like, I'm, maybe I haven't tested, but I can feel what I am relatively, so I just throw a number on it. I'm 116. And they'd be like, okay, cool, give me the benefit of the doubt, praise God. Or maybe I would test it, and I'd be a little higher than I wanted to be. And I'd be like, I'm, instead of 280, I'd be like, I'm 200. I'm a good diabetic. One sin is equal to damnation in hell. Gosh, man, that's harsh, right? But thank God that he paid for all of that already. So this brings me to my question for the day, is why do we lie? My title of the sermon is, Why Though? Just, you know that, that meme? Just the letter Y, T-H-O, why though? Why do we do it? What's the point? What is giving us drive to literally do the thing that put Christ on the cross over and over and over again? Now that question it's funny, especially when you think about Proverbs. In the book of Proverbs, in chapter 12, verse 22, it says, Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are his delight. So there's proof all over the Bible that even the littlest stuff, it's an abomination. That is a scary, long word that I couldn't spell if I tried. But it's a terrifying word. Yet we continue to do these things. It's a part of who we are. So I believe that we lie because we're in the midst of an identity crisis. Now let me explain. We are lying because we're trying to be what we perceive that we should be. Society tells us that we should be all of these specific things. You should make X amount of money. You should have this type of house. You should drive this specific car. If you don't look this way, you are not acceptable. So we change who we are so that we can be what they say we must. So we lie continually so that we're accepted in our modern day society. Even if we don't mean to, it's something that we're doing. I mean, I don't know why I rolled up my pants. It's just cool. Some of you in this room are like, no, it's not. <laughs> you know what? I do what I want. <laughs> so we're changing to be perceived as what we think we should. This brings us to Genesis chapter 3. And you're like, why are we going to Genesis? Let me explain. Y'all are familiar with original sin? You ever heard that term? Or maybe just the fall? This is Genesis chapter 3. So if you want to, you can turn there. Otherwise, I'm just going to read it for you guys. Genesis 3, verses 4 through 6 say, But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. Lie right off the bat. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw the tree was good for food, 
and it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desired to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate, and then she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. So this is original sin, and there's three parts to it. Good for food, delight to the eyes, and make one wise. It's all our senses focused on me. Whatever I can do to make me happy is what I will do. So I believe that all sin finds its root in these things. All sin finds its root within us trying to find our own happiness at the cost of we don't care. And I say we because it's all of us. The main thing that I want to point out about these three is that it's a worship problem. When it all comes down to it, it's about worship. Did you know that your purpose on this earth, all of our purpose on this earth, is to glorify God? That's why we're created. We're created for what we got to take part of earlier. That's why it feels so right when we have that moment when we meet with the Lord and we get to have that worship service and just go. And you walk out like, oh, Jesus, praise God. Got the Holy Spirit sweats going on, right? Or at least me, because I don't know, I'm carrying a little extra. Anyway, um, that's our purpose. And sin is to interrupt that purpose. It's a worship issue. Every time we decide to please us, who are we worshiping? It's all about the idol. It's all about us trying to make sure that we worship the one God in our life. Me. Gosh, that hurts. Because literally that can be thrown on anything we talk about. Anything that's said from up here can literally fall into the idea that I'm sinning to glorify me. I want to make me happy, and I don't care who it hurts. It's a worship problem. So the very core of all sin is that we are choosing not to worship God, but rather to worship ourselves over God, to place him in a secondary position to his creation, which is us. So I ask the question again, why do we lie? Why, though? We are worshiping our own image. We are worshiping the image that we want to create. We are trying to make this persona of something that doesn't exist. We are trying to show people who don't matter things that aren't real so that we can feel good about who we really aren't. Gosh, when you say it like that, it's just, ugh, right? It feels icky. And that's every type of lie, every type of misleading truth, anything, any type of lack of integrity, all falls into that category. Ananias and Sapphira wanted to be approved by the people in their socioeconomical circle. They wanted to be thought of as spiritual to all of those around them, so they wanted to do the same thing everyone else was. 
yet make a little money on the side. And they paid with their lives. They went as far as to lie to the Holy Spirit about giving what they really weren't giving. It's literally something we do every day in a different form. So, what does this all mean for us? We're talking about an ancient couple that died in an ancient way and got buried and who cares. My goal as a teacher, as somebody who provides the word of the Lord for you guys, is that when you walk out of this room, you have something to change now. If you don't have that when you leave, I have not done my job properly. So in application today, the thing that makes sense for us to start doing, with each of these different small lies, I want to encourage all of us to take a minute, to just stop for just a microsecond and think, how does this lie or how does this decision affect God in my life? How does this worship God? That should be our overall goal with everything we do in our lives is to worship God with every word that we say, every song that we sing, every action we take, every breath we breathe should be for the strictly for the goal of bringing God the glory that he deserves. He alone deserves. Did you know what your true identity is? Because of who God is, we have a new identity. Because of what God did on the cross for us, because of the gospel itself, because God died so that we didn't have to, because God rose so that we could live forever. We are something different. Our persona, our identity is a son or a daughter of God. Put on this earth to glorify him through everything. That's who we are. So every time that we decide to paint a different picture, we're literally telling God that his version isn't good enough. Your persona, God, that you have given me through your death and resurrection isn't enough, and I want to be what socioeconomic life tells me I should be. That's what we're choosing for ourselves. And again, I say we because I'm in that too. That's what we are choosing actively to be. We are enlarging our desired persona and diminishing our given persona. So I challenge you guys this morning is to think with every decision that we make, every single thing we do say, live however you want to look at it, who am I worshiping with this? Is it me or is it God? I pray that we can all glory in our weaknesses to show God's strength through what he's doing in us every single day. Amen? Let's pray. God, I thank you that you have given us an identity that matters. You have given us an identity that 
not only matters now, but Lord, through all of eternity. One that counts, one that gives us purpose in this life. Because, not because of us or what we can do, but because of what you have already done. Because of the fact that you died so that we could live and our sins are gone as far as the east is from the west. God, I thank you for your grace that is sufficient every day to cover our inadequacies. To change our broken hearts. To repair our false needs. God, I pray that over all of us in this room and those who couldn't even make it today. God, I ask that you would give us a new perspective on how we are worshiping you with our lives. So with your eyes closed and with your heads bowed, I want to ask you to commit to something. I want to ask you to just raise your hands, whatever fashion that looks like to you, in sign of releasing unto God what you don't need to carry. And that thing that you don't need to carry is what the world expects of you because it's a lie. What the world tells you you should be is untrue. God has already given you who you should be. It's already there. It's already accomplished. The work is done. The war is over. The battle has been fought and won. So with your hands up, releasing to God, I ask that as we take a couple minutes and just go into this last song, that you would give those things over. You wouldn't hold on to them anymore. You wouldn't hold on to this social um, experiment nonsense from social media that we're told about constantly. Let God make you who he wants you to be.